1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back. We're giving you two
2: episodes this time just to compartmentalised the the European Cup because it was a a big final weekend so that first episode in your feed before this one is there right now you can go and listen to all our chat about the rugby but as JB pointed out right at the end of this podcast there's all sorts of stuff going on off the pitch that is only tangentially and indirectly related to the actual product of rugby yes there is
3: well yeah there is actually there's, there's all sorts going on so I mean it's not Games that have been played. I, I, should we start with a nice one, actually, rather than getting straight into bath? Have you seen the some of the names that Tonga have um, announced that might be playing for them?
2: It, it, wonderful, uh, wonderful to see world class players on the world stage.
4: <laughs> yeah, so um, one former Wallaby and three former All Blacks in the in the um, they're they're actually announced in the Tonga squad, aren't they, for the summer tours? So the the All Blacks being Malachi Fekitoa, Sir Charles Pieterau, and Augustine Pulu, and yeah. the former Wallaby being Israel Folau, one of the Amazing. most, one of the most talented. I think he's one of the most talented players of all time. I, th- I think probably Sir Charles you can put in that, in that category as well. They, they are t- genuinely two of the most talented players of all time. It'd be great Who's to, to see them back
3: playing. Thank okay. you. Who plays fullback out of those
4: two, or does it simply not matter? Doesn't matter. You you, only, you just play two of those in the back three, and you can have an extra flanker.
3: Yeah, exactly right. Perfect. See, that's the sort of innovation that's going to come from the Premiership
4: next year. Yeah, yeah. genuinely. You know, go if back, you've got those go back two, the back two. Yeah, you've do, got do, those do you, two could, could in the backfield. Just put put an extra prop on or an extra second row. Or two, yeah, two two scrum halves.
2: Do you Format know federal, do you know the federal. other former wallaby that could imminently be announced as a tongan international? Sakopi Kepu? Maybe. I, uh, yeah, I think that could be one. But there there is another one that currently plays in the premiership.
4: Ooh. Currently in the prim- uh, not John Afelo. Nope. Wallaby.
2: wallaby ex-wallaby international playing in the premiership, he is a forward. One
4: of the one of the London Irish second rules.
2: <laughs> no, he is. Well, he is a he is Tongan international, so he he's never not been. But Adam oh, Coleman. Adam Coleman. Wow. Coleman. <laughs> Adam Coleman's dad is Tongan. Interesting. Yeah. And Imagine. so and so in uh, this October, mid October, he, he qualifies for Tonga. He's thirty years old. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty significant addition to Tonga's squad as well.
3: I mean, yeah. I mean that's legit, isn't it? That is quite... A, uh, Australia will be falling over themselves surely to get him back. Wow. By the way, Australia have got some secondary options should everyone be available to, to them, which, of course, they're not. <laughs> but if you just get everyone who is Australian, who plays secondary professionally, to come back and play second row I mean the like the Arnold boys for instance
2: mm.
3: and they've got loads of them everywhere so well, well just on yeah. the
2: Adam Coleman thing yes I think he could Australia could say hey Adam we'll, we'll have you if you want to play at the World Cup but according to the, the the Tongan head coach he has signaled he has said no I want to play for Tonga he wants to represent the the nation of his father mm.
3: wow so that could be a special story there couldn't there
2: yeah it's very Ooh, like,
3: cool. returning for the first time, oh, I, I hope it happens. I, I I hope that they manage to go full force and do some real damage.
2: His dad, by, by the way, just to be clear, his dad was captain of Tonga. Mm. His cousin. I no idea about it. His cousin played in the ninety five, two thousand and three, and two thousand and seven World Cups as well. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, and but uh, yeah, like I, I agree with what you said. Izzy Falau, one of the best players I've ever seen. In, in our, in, in the modern era,
3: well, he is like he just is. I mean, just, you know, yeah, the the tally You can't argue with that. Yeah,
2: yeah,
4: he's such a such an all round talented player. Um, and, but, and Sir Charles as well.
2: Awesome.
4: Tonga, they can't be a million miles away from having um a brace of Vunapolas
2: playing for them <laughs> as well. Oh my word! Vunapola. So yeah. <laughs> Mako's back in the England squad isn't he so it won't be him but Billy
4: he is well be... Mako could he could opt to not play for England although he would be uh, stupid he needs to funnel that cash into Von Prop Limited <laughs> absolutely
2: <laughs> well uh, also an an All Black who won't be available for the World Cup next year but has is interested in switching his allegiance to Tonga is uh, Ngani Laomappe
4: nice yeah because he's obviously playing in Paris at the moment isn't he he's in yeah. Stad
2: and when you when you hear and see these names, it just makes you realise that for... We were talking about La Rochelle being incredible to win the European Cup with 70,000 population. I, mean, I think... I mean, I'd, I'd take a guess. I think Tonga's population is like 200,000, something like that. The whole country.
4: It, it, it might not even be that, you know.
2: Unbelievable. Right. Can we just pull the brakes on this a second?
3: It's a lovely idea. But isn't it the inverse of what we thought the reality was? So we always talk in, in rugby circles about, oh, look at the amount of all blacks that are actually Tongan or Fijian or Samoan. And in reality, the situation is, look at the amount of Samoans Tongans, uh, Samoans and Tongans that are actually Australian or Fijian. They're usually second-generation Tongan or second-generation Fijian, if that makes sense.
4: Yeah, the, so there was something a while ago that... um the, uh, I, God, I'm trying to think which World Cup it was. It might have been 2011 or 2015.
3: Yeah.
4: And the number of New Zealanders who were not born in New Zealand was say, say three out of a squad of thirty, whereas the number of um, Tongans in the squad who were not born in Tonga was say that like fifteen out of a squad of thirty. Yeah, numbers exactly. wrong. Numbers wrong, but proportions correct. But that's that's as a consequence of um, if if you're talented in most dimensions. Um, uh, academically or um, athletically, there are far more opportunities in, say, Australia or New Zealand or France or uh, USA or, or basically in, around the world. Now, pro- yeah. hopefully, that that situation is is changing, but it, it's a consequence of that. Why? You, uh, why you I mean, see-
2: just to take the Vunapolas as one example. Uh, mm. y- yes, they are. They were. They were raised in Wales and then England, and they played all their academy rugby. Same with. Uh, uh, Manu Alangi, but like uh, Feu Vunapola, former hooker for Tonga, he's a he's a Tongan who travelled outside of Tonga because of rugby. So Billy and Mako Vunapola are legitimately and should not be mistaken for not being Tongan men.
3: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm, I guess the point I'm trying to make is the 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 common misconception in rugby circles is look at. The- Goldblack stealing all of these Tongans, and actually, yeah. it's probably because of New Zealand that they can, you know, keep keep together a team of a certain standard.
4: Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's just like
3: worth knowing. I'm not saying that right in every plane, or there's anything any more more to that. It's just a nice little uh, nice little detail that people should really be aware of.
4: Mm. So yeah, that the positives. Obviously, other people will be looking at the the downside of that story um, with with one individual returning to international rugby um, we, we yeah, never, that.
3: Did, never want to see La, 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 Laomapi play again
4: <laughs> well, imagine centre partnership of Laomapi and Feke god <laughs> that hit, hits just, hard oh. yeah one hits hard
3: running towards you well
4: they just hit hard I mean they just hit hard <laughs> every dimension yeah so yeah there's some, some good news there I think overall. well
2: good but, news unless you're an Ireland or a Scotland fan who they could have a pretty handy team, a potential banana skin in their pool, just as happened with Japan. Mm.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to see that.
2: But that's great for that's great for the World Cup. It's fantastic.
3: Mm. Uh, agreed. Um, now, what el- what else is great in the world of rugby?
2: <laughs> can I just say, I'm not going to I'm not going to go into it, but can I just say, I love that we just spoke about that story. And we just spoke about rugby and how passionate we are about the sport. Yeah, just let's talk about Don't need to don't need no, just on that last story. I, I love that on this podcast we're excited about the rugby. <laughs> everyone else, everyone I'm else back. can everyone else can go on about all the rest of it. Yes, next story, JB.
3: Yes, let's talk about the rugby in Bath. Oh, the club I get, I, I honestly feel myself becoming a Bath fan every every single day.
2: Get, <laughs> again, again. You were originally when the podcast started, they were your team. Then it was Exeter. They're just
3: awesome, aren't they? Like you know, people say, oh, state of no wrong, the best stadium on the planet. They're getting rid of Farley House. I mean, that that is a shame because I think, uh, yeah, it's a shame. They've got the nicest kit, and they're certifiably nuts. The you know, the whole thing is run like an absolute clown show, and I can't get enough of it. I just okay. can't get enough. Of
2: it. So um, okay, so l- l- let me do the the sort of journalist facts, what we know to be true, and then we can do the. Other you stuff. Take so the water. What- yeah, I've, I've yeah. just I've just seen the WhatsApp <laughs> messages, JB. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what we know to be true is Ed Griffiths, who was the brought in as chairman or chief exec. Chief he, exec. Well, he's brought in as uh, consultant. Consultant. On his he, own consultancy. Paper,
3: yeah, he made a, a job for himself called chairman.
4: That was yes. one of that was like uh, bullet point one of his recommendation yeah. job job for me. It was it was chairman.
2: Israel. Yeah, chairman. So uh, he has been relieved of duties uh, as chairman of Bath um by Bruce Craig, I gather, or the board, or however these things are done, and uh, that, that was slightly unexpected. And uh, but that, that's all we were really told. And they've they've confirmed their new structure with Stuart Hooper looking after everything off the pitch. Johan van Graan and his coaching team looking after out there with the whistles and 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 with the tactics and selection and everything, Stuart Hooper's taking a sort of broader management type role of, of everything else. And that's what we know. And, and that's the end of the story, isn't it, JB? That's that's just <laughs> it, isn't there's it? There's nothing more that we know.
4: <laughs> um, just, just one thing before we we get into JB's um, other side of things, because this was an official statement by Bath on Wednesday afternoon, um, before their final game of the season, not after their final game of the season, when they announced these roles. And it's, the, the titles are a little bit interesting so Ed Griffiths leaves uh, Johan van Gran will lead the club's rugby programme as head of rugby Stuart Hooper becomes general manager that's right but but in the announcement Tarquin McDonald Bath Rugby chief executive has confirmed that Stuart Hooper as general manager will report into Johan van Gran as head of rugby so there's a there's a uh, it initially looks like Stuart Hooper has been demoted upwards, but then he's just been demoted. <laughs> and I, I, I can't quite work out how that structure has got to that place. So maybe JB, you can perhaps give us a bit more uh, detail and background on this. Because well, Just, totally, just uh... quickly,
2: in, in NFL, a general manager would look after the contracts and the recruitment, mm. and, and the head coach would look after the tactics and the selection.
3: Yeah. But also, quite often the GM is the guy that fires the head coach. Yeah, you know quite a lot of head coaches that become GMs. Uh, they're not just scouting background. So that's, it's a very, it's a very particular use of words, isn't it, for that job description? Because I don't think many rugby clubs have a GM. I've heard of rugby league clubs having a GM, um, but and that is a pretty all-powerful role. I would say a GM in American sport is basically director of rugby, isn't it?
2: Mm.
4: Top top job.
3: So they've kind of invented a role that sounds like a senior role. But in the small print, it reports to the head coach, so they don't have a director of rugby unless Van Gran is now director of rugby, or is he? I don't know. Who knows?
4: Head of, um, head of rugby is his title. Again, read into that what you will.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I don't know how it's all. You know, let's just go with Stuart Hooper and his relationship with um, with Big Bruce. I I don't. I'm not negative on it, and I'm not positive on it. I mean, it's very hard, isn't it, to be positive about keeping this guy around for so long. I have spoke, I've said on the record many times, I still do believe Stuart Hooper is a pretty nice guy. I really do. And I, I can see why. I mean, I never want anyone to be sacked particularly, even though I say it in jest like, oh yeah, sack them all. I don't because there are real world consequences to that happening. But like, it's, it's just bizarre that in this world of competitive sport where it's also cutthroat and if you're a player, you can be let go for all sorts of reasons, not having a good game. I mean, even in your contracts, I think if you're injured for, what is it, nine, if you're not available to play nine out of 12 months of the year, you can have your contract terminated. So in this ultra competitive world that they inhabit, Stuart Hoover like, like lives there. I don't understand it. And he just keeps on failing upwards and upwards and upwards. I just think that is a shame actually The biggest shame is it's for Stuart Hooper Because he has the sword of Damocles over his head now And if he leaves Bath, nobody is employing Stuart Hooper I can 100% cast iron guarantee it Leicester Tigers are not phoning Stuart Hooper right now Saying Stuart come be our GM and run our not our non-rugby side Nobody is Whereas I think if he'd have gone elsewhere and failed and learned He could then take up a job in Bath or he could go go somewhere else This is embarrassing actually He has no more credibility left. And I think this is like the final straw. It must feel particularly demoralising if you're a Bath player. Like, this guy's still here. We have finished bottom of the league, and he is still here. Uh, I just don't think it works for anyone. In fact, the more I think about it, the the worse the decision becomes. On the other hand, I can't help admire Bruce Craig for sticking with his mates. Because if they are just mates, if this is the reason that Stuart Leopold was here, yeah. It does turn into Stuart Hooper being a Santa charity case, but I also kind of like the fact that someone looks after their mates, and I can't really get away from that. I can't feel bad about Booth Craig because he likes Stuart Hooper, and I kind of guess that is what it has to
2: be. So mm. you tweeted. Uh, let's let's talk about the tweet you put out on Wednesday in the wake of this.
3: Yeah. So they, they bath, um, they've been bath allegedly have had board meetings all week. Uh, it sounded to me as if Ed Griffiths' plan... In fact, I can say this about Ed Griffiths. I think he's a brilliant sports administrator. Um, I have some insight to how he thinks. Not a huge amount, but I have some. Uh, And I think he wanted to make some changes. I think the changes he wanted to make would be talking about Donald gone and Stuart Hooper gone. And I think he is completely justified in coming to that conclusion. I mean, you have to be mad to think he's not justified to come to that Conclusion. Um I also think that he might not always be a very pleasant man to be around. And some of the stories I've heard about his behaviour towards Stuart Hooper do not sound good. They do not they sound beneath um beneath the stature of a man like Ed um Ed Griffiths. It sounds petty, it sounds a little bit vindictive.
2: I do so, think I do think it's important to point out at this point that this is he said, she said stuff. So you have no personal knowledge of this yourself?
3: Yeah, I've got some personal knowledge of it. I've got some people telling me things. No, you know. I mean, yeah, no, and that's I'm fine. Like, yeah, no, I appreciate I'm that, like, but you don't, you, have, you don't have personal things, knowledge. You don't
2: have personal knowledge of it is what I'm saying, firsthand.
3: Well, oh, I mean, I didn't see the incident with my own no,
2: no. eyes. No. no um, I think it's important to say that.
3: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't think the treatment's been fantastic there, but I mean that's symptomatic of the whole club. If you run something so disorganized and so hoc, yeah, these you know th- that's the reason that you get this bad culture. Now, <laughs> allegedly, and I say allegedly, uh, I have had this confirmed by a Bath player. Uh, they were meant to be training on Thursday, um, but got uh, but it got cancelled, so everyone just went out on the beers beers instead which I think is glorious, actually. I mean, that just makes me want to support Bath even, even more. So uh, that's where Bath are now. They are at the stage that they want to go out on the beers rather than train. And as I understand it, an England international, who I understand to be Ben Spencer, uh, is not very happy there would like to leave. However, Ben Spencer himself pleaded that that is not true. So who knows if it's true or not? Who knows if it was true? And then Ben Spencer remembered that there was a salary cap in place and most teams have done their spending. The answer is, I don't know the veracity of that last last report, but I've heard it multiple times now, uh, madness absolutely hey, again
2: mad. I'm, I'm just balancing I'm, I'm not casting any personal judgment on this. I'm just doing the balancing thing. I'm saying Ben Spencer denied that that was the case. That's
3: exactly
2: what said.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah, Ben, ben Spencer was actually said it's not me, but
2: well, nah. no he, he said that's untrue he, yeah, yeah. When, when someone said the rumor is it's Ben Spencer, he said that's completely untrue. That's a quote from Ben Spencer. That's completely untrue.
3: And I think, I think on balance, it probably is true. That's what I think. But that's anyway, that's just my suspicion. I, I I strongly suspect it is true. I and I also strongly sube- uh, 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 suspect that he probably thought, hmm, it sounds like a good idea on paper, until he realised the salary cap is four and a half million and to spent it all and you can't be a marquee player and you can't really move between clubs, and you know that's uh, that's that. So ultimate bath. Absolutely awesome. I just feel, you know, the person I feel most sorry for, and it's a silly thing to say. It's still Stuart Hooper. I I just feel, I just feel sorry for him.
4: I wonder how much he's earning.
3: I don't know how much I would need to earn to get over the shame.
4: I, I I think what he's earning is will probably balance it out because he's outside the salary cap. He's got no, he's not on forty-two k like many of the players who will be playing for him. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm like, let's say on 150K. I was, I was going to speculate that amount.
4: I would have thought slightly more than that, in all honesty. But yeah, it's is, is that maybe, maybe 50 to 100K north of that. But yeah, it's, it'll be that region.
3: Yeah, so big spenders, or well, back the big spenders, right? So you'd imagine their director of rugby... Would be on big money. I wonder if he's got a permanent contract rather than a fixed-term contract because of all the jobs he's had in and around the club.
2: Well, and I mean, aren't, aren't all players? I know they have contracts, but aren't they all paye? So no, no. Know. So
3: what I mean, Tim, me, what I mean is every single coach except for except for four in the Premiership have fixed-term contracts. So oh, okay. one year, two year, three years. There's only four coaches in the entire league who have permanent co- uh, co- contracts. Do you know their names? Mark McCall, no.
2: Rob Baxter. Rob Baxter, because he's on the board. No. No. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Steve Diamond. No.
3: Although Blackett. I would. No. Borthwick. No.
4: So it's, it's going to be more junior. It would coaches. have been it,
2: well, junior coaches then. Yeah, there's four of them. Go on, tell us. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So is is it what what level what type of role are we talking?
3: Premiership coaches, not director of rugby, not a head coach. Okay. And they all signed the deals at the same time.
4: Uh, Nick Evans, Adam Adam Uh, Jones, Jerry Flannery, Jerry Flannery,
3: and one other. Is it Mal Maybe.
4: Whoever the other one is of that four, not to buy Matson,
3: not to buy Matson Matson. So yeah, and I wonder if. um, I wonder if Hooper's got some sort of like full-time deal or something, which is why they just keep moving him around so they don't have to pay him the you know, compensation or whatnot. I mean, I don't think that would be, that would be the case. Um, but it, it just feels odd. It just feels odd. And, you know, say £150,000, what? To be a laughing stock in front of your peers and fans and, you know, the, uh, the press and have idiots like me who talk about rugby not really berating you, but just feeling sorry for you. I mean, <laughs> is that enough money? For that public role...
2: I, can I can I just say something that Phil said on, on last week's show? It's how disappointing is it that this isn't all happening with Worcester Bath for, for for bottom place and relegation being coming up this weekend?
3: I kind of like the fact that it's not. It makes it even more tin pot. It makes it even more tragic. Uh, I think they should 100% give them a spoon and that spoon should be emblazoned on their jersey for next year, maybe for all years. You should always have to have the spoon underneath the badge, just like you have the stars. And if, you, if you're going to put your stars on, and especially Bath when they put their international crest on the collar of all the players with the international cap, sorry, boys, you've got to put your spoon on.
4: So I, I'm with that. Um, I, I do I like the spoon idea. I love it. Um, what would Saracens get? Because Saracens were relegated through um, cheating rather than bad performance. Would they get a special kind of spoon? I
3: have no idea. They're they're denied even the spoon, but I don't know what what you give them. What do you give them? Uh, The Lance Armstrong Commemorative Trophy or something? (laughs) I have no idea. Um, There is... In American sports, uh, it's quite funny, you've seen teams that suck. Uh, They have fans come into the stadium with bags on their heads. (laughs) <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think Bath fans should go to the stadium with paper bags on their face, uh, on their heads, with the with, with a sad face drawn on. That'd be absolutely. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I quite like. In, um, I think you told me about this, Jay. In um, French business and politics, if uh, a higher up does something wildly unpopular, the kind of general population will literally rip the shirts off their backs.
3: Yeah, they will. They if, will. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. So, if you're um, a CEO of a company, uh, I'm, I'm sure it happened. I'm sure it to the Air France chairman. He's yeah. walking walk home to work, and all of a sudden, he's accosted by these massive trade unions who rip the shirt off his back. I mean, I, I do not advocate that. And also, you know, it's one thing um, bullying a nerdy pen pushing, um, you know, ex aviation executive. It's another order of magnitude altogether. To you know, go and take Stuart Hooper's shirt off his back because, as sorry as sorry a sight as he may be, he's still six foot eleven or something with short, you know, massive shoulders. So don't do that. I do not do. I, can I repeat that? Do not attempt to remove Stuart Hooper's clothes.
4: <laughs> so, so JB, when are you buying your um, updated Bath 2022 vest?
3: Oh, soon I think. By the way, can we just just this remember who has the best kit in all the premiership and it is bath the best stash in the premiership that is bath
2: um well, the, the um, best one off kit the best one off kit ever is the harlequins 150 year
3: i disagree i think the bath gold gold stripe for the 150th whatever that was was how mm. good if not better
2: oh that is de- it is a delicious kit that those, those are the two best kits definitely yeah,
3: and the leicester tigers um
2: Circa twenty six, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. 2015,
3: 2016. Yeah, the Canterbury one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, stop it. They, they should be mandatory, mandatory for all time. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, a, what a glorious mess. A glorious, glorious mess.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Um... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
3: uh Omar, do you, can you say his surname?
2: Um, uh Moon, Moon I can't remember how it is, it's munami or something like that.
3: Munami or whatever his name has been Brist- fired. Sorry, he's left by mutual consent. Uh from the from the Brotherhood of Love.
2: <laughs> he has. And so again, just to be clear, we don't know the reason why he has left his position as defense coach for Bristol. We don't officially know because it's Um, it's just by mutual consent was he defence coach
3: or was he contact coach or something odd
2: something like that but he's he's, um, Bristol's defence in previous years has been absolutely exceptional and he was a massive part of that
3: well was he he's only been there for 18 months so he was Worcester wasn't he yeah Uh, that's where and prior to that he was South African 7s and I spoke to a few Worcester players about him and Mixed reports, actually. Some were quite impressed by, you know, the sort of weird stuff that he came out with because he's all about grappling and wrestling. I'm not sure if he's a a jiu-jitsu black belt, but he's definitely an MMA kind of guy. Uh, But apparently the guy is uh, also an absolute psychopath, Uh, you know, in a way that rugby players kind of respect. Mm. Um, Very, very unusual character. Um, Whether he was operating a Twitter account (laughs) to um, criticise... Bristol Bears or not, I do not know. But uh, yeah, an, an interesting story. Can I just tell you another kind of interesting story?
2: Um, uh, so just on that, I'm I'm just seeing because we can't. The Telegraph reported this, so Charlie Felix. So I feel confident we can just just say what you hinted at there. Uh, the the a little paragraph there. Umar Munemni defence coach who was confronted by Bristol Bears players as the prime suspect behind an anonymous Twitter account criticising team performance and training methods has left the club by mutual consent. That, I is, heard
4: yeah. that is
2: crazy. <laughs> so it's, it's like Wagga for Christie stuff. I, I, I heard
3: it was Re-
2: Rebecca Vardy, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> it's... Omar, Muminia. in <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah. But I was taught. I want to know your views on this, and it's not about this guy, but it's about rugby more broadly. Okay, so I was talking to—I um, won't say his exact name—but he's a grassroots podcaster, often on the rock. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, and I also think he's one of the best guys on on the rock by far. And we were talking about how the premiership handles itself and it handles the press and particularly how basically the head of comms for the premiership is not interested in the growing of the game but more just running interference so no one, no one finds out anything and actually these stories like the Bath story and the, you know the players going boozing on the Thursday rather than training or Omar allegedly putting out tweets I get it I get it like this is not the wholesome image that you want but my God is enjoyable <laughs> uh, you know, This is the sort of if you want people to talk about your sport and the characters. Yes, there's all the wholesome goodness of you know seeing uh, sick children in hospital bays, But people like gossip. Like, what would it be like if they just answered the phone and honestly said, "Uh, "Yeah, the boys went out on the beers. They're not happy about this. Please write about it. I mean, mean, just write about it. There's so much good gossip and scandal. Uh, You know, just just go go full out, boys. There's no, it can't get any worse."
2: You know, I think, I think people, like, people like gossip about people that they know, but no one outside of rugby, no one that isn't already a big rugby fan, is going to care about these, these stories we've been talking about on this episode.
3: Well, I tell you what, uh, Charlie Morgan reported the Omar uh, story. So, you know, it, it will happen. It will happen. I just think the more drama and the more we can talk about it and the more narratives and all of this stuff, the better. You know, just imagine if they gave you all the information. I mean, look at how Bath handled themselves. I asked a few difficult questions to Jill Hooper, and they threatened to ban me. So you know they're not the most open sport, and there's so many storylines. They should be far more open. Paul Morgan is a, is astonished that I find the Premiership interesting. Literally, as quote, "What you find it more interesting than international rugby?" That's astonishing. And these are the people who are in charge of spreading the game, which is of course astonishing so yeah I think they need to take a completely different look at rugby and just start telling us absolutely everything because the whole thing is fascinating isn't it the club dynamics are fascinating the relationships are fascinating the whole thing's fascinating talk about it
2: oh I agree I agree with that but if you want to take a, a kind of open it all up and and let's see it all kind of approach to rugby which I'm totally in favour of and as someone who's fortunate enough to hold a microphone and be in a position where I could do something with that um i I'd just look at f1 coverage and go it like but imagine say you see martin brundle everyone loves his pit walk and whether that's chatting to the odd celebrity or going and chatting to a driver just very casually it, it, I, that's how i'd love to do a pre-match walk yeah. around the pitch like it's a pit walk Th- that's how you open up rugby not by going well there's a bit of a scandal let's uh let's leverage I that I no,
3: I lo- you lo- mate, people love a scandal people love a scandal never never forget that but although I guess it is difficult for a Premiership Rugby. Because when they're trying to tell you that they've got the secret to ending discrimination and you know they're campaigning to change the world, it does look a bit silly when they can't can't run a rugby club or their players go on the beers rather than go training. And you think, all right, you're gonna it's it's like when dragons decided that they're gonna feed feed the homeless and solve veterans' mental health issues. They can't win a rugby game, and that's their primary job. So, you know, maybe they do want to be taken more seriously than they deserve.
4: So JB GB- Upshot of all that, you're a massive Bath fan again.
3: Huge Bath fan, can't get enough of it. Give me more (laughs) mainline Bath rugby into my
4: veins. (laughs) When are you next going to one of their press conferences?
3: Um, Do you know, I've stopped doing that because I'm really, really busy at work at the moment. But soon, I'd like to go again.
4: Mm, I'd I'd quite like to (laughs) dip into one um, pretty soon, actually.
3: Yeah, uh, only uh, I bet they're only pre approved questions now. I mean, what, yeah, well, actually, why even bother? Why even bother?
2: (laughs) What would be the point? Well, yeah, yeah, I would say if there's one person that you want to bring on board to make it a much more kind of uh, serious rugby focused affair, Johan Van Gran will be the perfect tonic. If you, if they, if for the unlike people like you, JB, you won't like it, but if, if for everyone at Bath that wants the scandals to go away and just, kind of a, a uber-professional rugby-based focus to come in, Johan van Gran I guarantee you will make, make that the case. What a shame. He's a very, very lovely man. I've, I've got nothing but nice words to say about Johan van, Johan van Graan. Very lovely well, man. Well, think, very seriously rugby man.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I know nothing about you, i say. I know obviously Phil follows it a little bit. You have obviously encountered him before. What can both of you tell me about him, if anything?
2: Well, well, I, I can tell you. So uh, Razi Erasmus brought him in, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he—he's not like Razi Erasmus, who's kind of got that larger than life. We'll have a will have a laugh and a joke. Johan van Gran is a is a he's he's always very honest, very straight. But that's it. He's honest and straight, and he's rugby, rugby, rugby.
4: Mm. Good. Yeah. Although it's his last couple of years at, at Munster have coincided with um mediocre shall we say performances from munster um despite despite of a lot of talented players um they've not necessarily got the best out of them so um
2: the the little caveat to that would be that actually munster i don't think have i think they've done all right in relation to the players that they have mm. and i think that he's that the the last couple of years has been really good for munster they've got had a lot of young guys that haven't had any experience, and I hope Munster go on and do well. But um, I don't think they're—I don't think they've done badly, given what they have. I think that there are there are systemic and there are systemic reasons why Munster haven't had a better squad, and maybe Johan van Grand takes some responsibility for that. I don't know.
3: Mm. Would you like the last off the field story?
2: Yeah. What is it? Go on.
3: Uh, the RFU um, may, might appoint a director of rugby or someone like that. Hmm. Have you heard this? Heard this one?
2: I haven't. So how would that fit in with Nigel Melville, Connor O'Shea?
3: <laughs> yeah, what a great question that that is. So as it stands, Eddie Jones reports directly into the big man himself, Bill Sweeney. Um, now, Bill Sweeney and a collection of luminaries whose identity is literally top secret. I mean, this like yeah, I don't think anybody knows who is in Eddie Jones's assessment on the assessment panel who, who conducts the reviews it, it's like it's one of the closest, closest guard, guarded secrets in rugby and rugby being so porous I'm amazed that it's managed to last you know, that secret's managed to last so long unless I'm just completely out, out of the loop and it's common knowledge who it is but instead of having that they're going to have almost like a Rob Andrew type uh, his old role uh, and a director of rugby overseeing the next head coach of England and I don't know why why?
4: Is this something to do with the transition from Eddie onwards? Because well, it's always going to be a tricky transition.
3: Yeah, I think the argument is Eddie reports into somebody with no rugby background. So mm-hmm. Bill Sweet is a good administrator, decent bloke, but he's not a rugby guy. When Eddie Jones needs to report into someone who knows his rugby, but then who does the director of rugby report, it, uh, report into? Like someone else who knows his rugby even better. Uh, so ultimately, I don't like the – I just think it's you know one more step which you don't need. When you're coaching England, I assume you've already had prior experience as a director of rugby somewhere else. I don't think you need one on top of you if you're the head coach. I can't imagine England just taking a rookie head coach from somewhere and needing him to report into a DOR. That would be my point.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to do that, are they? They're going to have a head coach who is vastly experienced – um, at the top level of um, certainly the club game and likely with some international experience as well.
3: Yeah. I, if you look at how Eddie does his stuff, he's almost like a director of rugby anyway, which is why his coaching turnover is so, so vast. He's basically running a programme and he refreshes that programme every six months, it feels like, with Simon Amor or whoever the flavour of the week is. Uh, and that's the way he likes to do things. So, I don't know. Um, I, I don't see, I don't see any point in a director of rugby really uh, you've got a chief exec and, that, and that's it I, why, you know because otherwise then the director of rugby's got to report to somebody mm. and they've got Connor O'Shea there and he knows stuff, Nigel Melville knows stuff and apparently this is a, a recommendation from Nigel, Mel, Nigel Melville
4: mm. Interesting yeah, I've, I've, not, wondered, I've not come across that up to now
3: Yeah so I'm just trying to think. I wonder if this is kind of like Ed Griffiths inventing a job for Ed, for Ed Griffiths. Hey, boys, what, what, what job would you like? <sighs> Director of for England? You've got it. Done.
4: <laughs> and don't, don't forget the other man who did that very recently. Who was that? Steve Diamond.
3: Oh, yeah. Director of for England?
4: No. It's, it's Steve Diamond, consultant. Consultant two. at Worcester. <laughs> Worcester Warriors. Point, <laughs> point, point number one of a Steve Diamond's recommendation give a job to Steve Diamond.
3: Yeah, the RFU should get Steve Diamond to do a
4: review of who should do the DOR for uh, the RFU
3: because they'd get the right man. I guarantee you that.
4: <laughs> they would get the a man. man. There yeah, be
3: A very particular Northern
4: man. So, some, Sometimes when you've got difficult decisions to make, just making a clear decision and get everyone working on the same page is more important than having the most efficient or most accurate decision. And in that report, you would get one very clear decision, one very clear cast iron recommendation. Employ <laughs> Steve Diamond.
3: Yeah, uh, Steve, why is this report one page long? Uh, and uh, why is it in landscape? And why is it only contain two words? <laughs> why is one of the words an emoji?
2: He'll have done it with Comic Sans as well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just, hand, uh, just, just handwritten. Pass it in back. Yeah. Do it. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty much... Look at that. We've got, you've got four
2: minutes to go in your car, Tim. Oh, to go and pick up uh, Louis and his mate from uh, Neighbourhood Weekender, yeah. They're watching yeah. Kasabian as we speak. Quite which, jealous of that.
4: Which, Tim, you, you were going to be on time this week, unlike me last week, when I wanted to, I wanted to go and have a birthday McDonald's and JB, I, I thought it shut at half 11. JB said, no, it shuts at 12 o'clock. I arrived there... On- I arrived there.
2: I he said he said eleven thirty. JB said eleven thirty, but nevertheless, no. JB
4: said midnight. Oh no, he said
2: midnight. midnight. You're right. Midnight.
4: And I, I I arrived at eleven thirty two, and it was shut. The staff the staff were the staff were actually just walking out of
3: there. Get back in. Turn on the machines.
4: <laughs> so I, probably for the best, I missed what I missed what would have been about my sixth sixth. Thousandth and seven thousandth calories of the day on my oh, birthday.
3: I've so a, I've had a bad day. I've had a similar day. day to that today It's dreadful.
2: I've, I've had a bad day. I've had a. I've had because I. Yeah, <laughs> I. Yeah, I had drank a lot of. I had yeah, drank a lot yesterday. So I've. Yeah. I've, I've, made, I've, made some, I've made some poor life choices today. <laughs> um, quick
3: question: Are you considered a cool dad mountain? Because obviously, you do get a lot of tickets to a lot of cool things, don't you?
2: Uh yeah i think that's what's quite cool about having kids is like uh, well no actually do you know what Uh, the fact that louis said because i was like do you want to take what do you want to take your mate to this festival yesterday but no no we can go we'll go together i was like uh, i was like yeah awesome i mean that will change soon enough it's inevitable that he'll think i'm an absolute bell at some point (laughs) he he tolerates me he tolerates me at the minute and that's cool i'll take that (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's very nice that's very nice but at a certain point you're going to be the cool dad who can sort, sort them out with tickets for all, all sorts of things
2: oh well, um, maybe the we, bands we, that you
3: buy, aren't cool enough
2: going to the killers in a couple of weeks probably.
3: nice yeah very nice you know if I like music you'd be so much more of a useful friend
2: than <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that should, that's that's one thing getting JB into music I'd love to see it
3: yeah no. not happen.
2: No. <laughs> I wonder what music you would be into if you did like music.
3: Uh, Mid two thousands hip hop. Uh, oh Kelly, of course. Oh, <laughs> Kelly,
2: of the one course. person you've been to see.
3: Yeah, I'm know to see him. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, uh, one, one final thing. I know this is. Um, I know this is the non rugby pod, the off field pod, or the back of house pod. Um, neither neither of you will have seen it, but uh, Moana Pacifica got their second win of Super Rugby this weekend against Brumbies who finished fourth um, qualifying for the quarterfinals um, or semifinals, whichever it is. Um, but the interesting thing was Moana-Pacifica, uh, Sakopi Kepu got a red card after 10 minutes and they played 70 minutes with 14 players against a team much, much better than them and won 32-22. So a very, very good win for Moana-Pacifica.
2: I, some, some I saw one of the tries, just outrageous. Like almost tackled in his own try uh, dead ball area, got out of the twenty-two, gassed a few people. Amazing offload, gassed try in the mm. like, space of ten seconds. Almost, almost being caught on your own line to try time. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, on one, one other final, r- r- only slightly related rugby story, but it's a uh, friend of the pod, Neil Back. Um, his son is now going to be a Premiership footballer. Next season, mm. really? Bin, bin backs in the Nottingham Forest squad, and they're they're promoted to the Premiership. That is he did, amazing, Premier League. He,
4: yeah, yeah prim, he doesn't he doesn't actually play that much, does he? But he's he's, done a, few, he's, he's,
2: done a, he's done a few games, handful of games this season in yeah. the Championship.
4: Yeah, that's awesome, a, a Premier League footballer. Yeah, it's incredible, mm.
3: amazing stuff. Well, uh, Neil back, very proud father. Well
2: done, hundred mm. percent. Um, right. He's, pro- he's, pro- he's, probably, he's probably um by this in the next year or two he'll have eclipsed Neil Back's rugby earnings <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> right boys on that no I'm going back to my campsite so I'll see you
2: later have fun in Abbasoch yeah. and, uh, nice one Phil thank you for listening let the boys play cheers let guys play.
1: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quinn's